Hello, and welcome to Scary Podcast, A Tell in the Dark. I am one of your hosts, John Charles Holmes. And I'm Barbara Dieselbrain. Today, we are talking about Ready or Not, the movie from 2019 that I don't know how to describe. Well, I do know how to describe it. That's what we're here to do. This is a podcast where we have a casual discussion about the horror genre, about horror movies, games, what have you. Um, we've taken a look at a bunch of different films so far, and next up on the slate, as I said, is Ready or Not, which I can only describe, I'm pretty sure, as another wonderful entry in the Eat the Rich genre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which honestly should just be a straight-up subgenre at that point. Har- rich horror. I mean, I think we're there pretty much, because I mean, like... I'd say I'd say both Get Out and Us are absolutely eat the rich movies. Um, of course, Parasite. I'm glad you connect. I'm glad you brought in Get Out because this movie definitely gave me some Get Out vibes. <laughs> See, this movie gave me huge vibes of um. Felt like the dirty grindhouse version of Knives Out. Like Knives Out is like a classy, fun time with the movies, and then Ready or Not is just kind of like yeah, let's just like add a bunch of just like blood and violence and like satanism to <laughs> knives out and make ready or not i i didn't i have not seen knives out so i just came in here um you know kind of experiencing the movie on its own terms um and damn this was a fun one like did you did you hear about this movie before i had told you about it at all nope i had this completely went under my radar i i, I felt like heard it, anyone talk about it I had heard it talked about on like a podcast or two. I guess it's I guess last now year. it'll be yeah. a podcast or three. But yeah, like people were. <laughs> it was recommended on a couple podcasts, and I kind of like wrote it off. All I remember was that it was mentioned as being like a fun horror movie, and I just didn't think anything of it because I hadn't heard of it. And I think when I heard about it, I kept getting it mixed up in my mind with Knives Out until I actually saw Knives Out, and I was like, okay, this is a different movie from Ready or Not. Ready but, or Knives. Ready your knives. Uh, but <laughs> I, yeah, I hadn't heard anybody else talk about this movie, but this movie seemed to have done pretty well. I think it actually, like, reading up on it, it looked like it did actually have, like, a really strong opening weekend. It mm. made, like, almost $60 million on a $6 million budget. So, like, this is definitely what I would probably call, like, I think this is probably what I'd call kind of like an indie-sized horror film. Like, it's got that same uh, scope and project size as a Bloomhouse feature, because, I mean... You know, Bloomhouse's whole thing is that they pump out these PG-13 horror movies on, like, shoestring budgets. But the thing about horror movies is if they do well, they do really fucking well. So, like, they're just pumping out smaller movies so that the one big success can keep funding them to make, like, a bunch of smaller movies. And this felt like one of those movies, except where Bloomhouse usually goes for the softer PG-13. This one absolutely goes for, I wouldn't say, like, a hard R, but it goes for the R rating and... It was an oddly fresh breath of air to find a horror movie like this that was such just kind of like a fun popcorn flick that was still a good, violent, gory, rated R adventure, you know? Yeah, like I I went into this. Whenever you recommend a movie to me, I actually try to do a little research beforehand just because I do want to preserve my initial reaction of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went into this and I know, I know for the first like 30, 45 minutes, I was like, okay, this is probably going to be one of those horror movies where you like maybe see a little bit of blood and maybe something gory will happen just out of shot, you know, whatever. And then fucking <laughs> people get shot in the eye and you just see it. You oh, just yeah, like, see it. I- 
I absolutely had sort of like the same voyage I had with um one kind of the dead with this movie where like it starts up and at first it was like okay I I get it I see the twist oh okay we're just gonna have fun with this oh okay it's gonna get a little more violent oh okay that's what we're doing here all right I'm 110% in let's go yeah so like I like I feel like for most folks you're gonna get like you know 15 20 minutes in you're kind of gonna be wondering what's special about it and i just when when you hit it it's gonna hit and absolutely it'll probably hook you i it's the funny thing is after i finished the movie i just kind of was like i feel like if i hadn't if my i let my guard down because i also went to this movie not knowing anything like i just remember hearing it like just thrown out just turn a phrase and uh I was proud to do HBO Max one night because I was just feeling like I wanted to watch a movie. I was like, I want to watch a movie. I wouldn't mind watching a classic film or watching something I've been meaning to watch for a while. And I was just looking and I was thinking, you know, do I want to watch North by Northwest? Uh, I don't know if I want to put in the three hours to watch Superman the movie. <laughs> oh, man, I don't think I want to watch it. Lone Wolf and Cub. And then I kept parsing over Ready or Not. And I kept being like, maybe ready or not and i kept flipping through <laughs> and i would go back and i'd be like maybe ready or not and then the third or fourth time i was like i think i want to watch this i think i don't know if i'm ready or not to watch ready or not but i think i'm ready to watch ready or not tonight and then i did and boy howdy did i i had a fun fun time with this one i appreciate that this movie i'm one like you said this is not a movie that was like a pg-13 or i would even call it a i wouldn't even call it a soft r it definitely earns the r with its violence um mm-hmm. folks get fucked up a kid gets punched in the face <laughs> and they gloat about it too which, yeah they, they deserve it that kid deserves I, it. I guess this is uh this is like the, the the content warning for this if this uh maybe something you're interested in watching um i think you can definitely go in watching this having like the the twist and the outline of it kind of spoiled for you. So there's not, it's going to be hard to talk about this without talking about the twist yeah. of it. So if you really 100% want to go in blind, watch it first, come back. But unlike One Cut of the Dead, I think you can have it spoiled and still get a good time out of it. That being said, um, I'd say for about 60% of this movie, it is about like PG 13 Bloomhouse violent, which is to say, you know, there's, 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 you see, you see the, you see the blood, you see the squibs, you see people getting crushed. Like somebody will get, shot and it's not super cartoony but it's also not super uh gritty realistic um about halfway through the movie it's fun. though it's fun gore it's the yeah. kind of gore you can watch with the family the kind of gore you can bring home to mommy <laughs> <laughs> i'd say for about mm, 15 minutes in the middle of the movie i'd say it gets a little into kind of like um survival torture territory you know kind of a bit saw-y where there's definitely um what I would call a gratuitous gore in suffering. Um, I was telling my sister about it because I knew she'd like this movie, and my sister sees things that she doesn't. She doesn't do. She doesn't do teeth, and she doesn't do bones. Like when people break their bones, and the bones are like sticking out of their uh, limbs and stuff. Like she doesn't do that stuff. But I knew the two scenes of this movie that I was like, it's not teeth stuff, and it's not bone stuff. But there's gonna be <laughs> two points in the movie where I know you're gonna want to look away. But when it happens, you'll see it coming from a mile away. So it's not gonna surprise you. <laughs> Yeah, and this movie wasn't like heavy on. Um, it wasn't super heavy on jump scares, which is another thing I was worried about because you just, I, you, you you start to expect them in a lot of more modern horror, and 
the movie was didn't lean on them particularly heavily. There was there was a couple kind of cute little cat scares, but like aside mm-hmm. from that, it's like they were. This really is not a jump scare movie. So if you don't like jump scares, you're good. Um, there was some really good parts of tension though, like um, that one. There was a scene around about the middle of the movie where um, our our heroine is trying to get out of this door through the kitchen and there's a guy in the kitchen who is just like i don't know making a sandwich or something i don't know what yeah, he's, he's 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 the, he's the butler so he's like making a lunch or dinner for everybody yeah hi knuckles and he um and, the, and you know this guy is just he doesn't he has no idea she's there and she's sneaking around like the middle ottoman in the kitchen it's one of those it's kitchen island it's kitchen yeah island. kitchen island and it, it, it's some good tension. And she's trying to load a fucking old-timey elephant gun. <laughs> yeah, like and... a fucking blunderbuss. Well, no, it is actually an elephant gun with, like, the giant bullets. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, 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 it's a good scene. It's a good moment, some good tension. Um, but I guess rewinding a bit to kind of uh, to kind of uh, set the stage a little more. Um, the basic conceit of this movie is that... Um, our main character, whose name I cannot remember because I don't uh, care. Her, her name is Grace, who I was checking on this because the whole time I was watching the movie, I was thinking, she looks so familiar, and I don't know if this is one of those people where she's super unknown or if she's just kind of new to the scene. And she's played by Samara Weaving, who I looked up, and I knew where I recognized her from because she's um, she's uh, Ted's daughter in the new Bill and Ted, which was also very good, and I thought that their kids were actually the best part of that movie, so... Yeah, she's definitely a fun actress to watch. Like, she's great here as Grace Oh, she as well. does a fantastic job. But the, the idea is that she is um, marrying her fiancé-to-be in this movie, who her fiancé comes from massive amounts of money. Um, their family is literally like fucking game barons. Like they, like, they own a company that has made tabletop games for, like, the past two centuries. Yeah, they're they're the like the Moss family. They're like they're 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 fictional like Parker Brothers family. Like the movie opens up with a very um Robert Zemeckis panning shot of just all these games the family has made where it's like it's like their version of Clue and Monopoly and like make a deal with the devil and stuff and like just like all these board games <laughs> that they have. Like what was it? It was like Playtime with Mr. Beale, I think, was the thing. But you just Something see like, like that. You see like just going through like the hallways of their mansion, just all the the games that this family has uh put out so you definitely see that not only like they're they they they, this family is pretty much built upon this board game empire that and they're just it's at the center of the house they're just they're old money and the and uh grace meanwhile um does not come from money the the way that the movie seems to have um setup is that she came from pretty rough background did not have a family growing up so was like orphaned i think yeah she's, she talks about how like her parents are dead and she's she's an orphan so she's excited to join uh alex's family the la Dumas family and be and have a family of her own finally even though even though both she and her fiance are both aware that her the family is kind of obnoxious and judgmental. 
Well, like, um, Alex kind of keeps staying where he's just, he's just kind of like, hey, so we're going to get married. It's going to be great, right? But my family's going to be kind of weird about it. And she's just kind of like, I get it. Families are weird. And he just goes, no, it's, it's going to be very weird. Like, you need to be ready for this. They're going to try to test you. You're going to, I can't prepare you for how weird my family's <laughs> going to be. And we see them taking, like, their bridal photos and stuff. And the family is, um... Smile like through their through their smiles through their gritted teeth, just judging judging Grace, saying like, "Oh, you're just marrying marrying for the money, aren't you?" Or, "Hmm, don't you do didn't, you have any debts?" Did, did or Grandma anything? straight up call her a hussy? Oh yeah, there's like a grandma there, and she's absolutely the person who. I love like, grandma in this movie. Uh, my my favorite my favorite um family member in this family is the brother-in-law, who absolutely has the exact same build and energy as Otho and Beetlejuice, and I loved that guy so much. <laughs> we'll get to him later, but that guy, like, he's, like, if you remember Otho from Beetlejuice, um, Lydia's mom's artsy friend, who just was always really, he, he wasn't a bad person at all, he just was Lydia's mom's friend, and he just was very, like, persnickety, and this guy has that same energy where he's an in-law, so he's not actually an official, he's not from the Dumas family, so he's He's in the family now, but he still finds a lot of things weird, and he's just kind of like, can we just go home? We could just catch a plane and whatnot. So he, I love that guy. He was he was my favorite part of the whole movie. He was he was pretty fucking great. But like honestly, a lot of the family members are really really memorable, even though I can't remember a single goddamn name. But you know that's on me. It, it's um, a it's a it's a big it's a big ensemble, and just like Knives Out, you really start to kind of um, pick out these characters. For like their main personality traits. I mean, we already said like there's Alex and he's 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 a uh, Grace's fiance and he's from this family. You get the idea that he's kind of distanced himself from the family because the family's excited for the wedding because it's their opportunity to bring Alex back in the fold so that he can inherit the family business alongside with um, Grace as well. Like there's his there's like his father who's kind of like he he is quite literally the patriarch of this whole family, kind of pulling th- pulling the strings from the inside. He, he's less of a father and more of a CEO. There's all sorts of in laws that try to buddy buddy up to Grace. Let her know like, oh hey, it was it was weird when I got married into the family too, but you know we got used to it. Um, there's Alex's brother Daniel, who is kind of like he's still in the family, but he's definitely on Alex's side. Where he's kind of he's like he's the cool guy in the group where. He's still a part of the family business, but he also hasn't lost touch with um, what real people are like in the same way that Alex and Grace are still real people and not just these, not just this rich blood money family just quite yet. Like he, he's kind of like, he's the touchstone between those two worlds for these characters, basically. And Speaking of blood money, so we, we had mentioned that um, Alex's family was going to test Grace. And what they meant by that is that on midnight of on midnight of the night of their wedding, before they're able to consummate things, I should note. Um, <laughs> they, Gr- fucking Gr- grandma, Gr- grandma, grandma sees to it that they don't get to do that. <laughs> Coward. But, they start um, getting they start like getting busy in Alex's uh, room after the wedding, and then um, they turn around. And it's like Jesus, Grandma! And she's just like emerged from like a servant's door. She's just watching them. God, I love Grandma. So, and, and they're summoned into a big group into like the the game room of the house, quite literally. And they uh, they pick 
a card from a deck that is supposedly belonged to a benefit quote-unquote benefactor of the oh, family not, not just a, not just a deck it's a special box it's like a pu- it's, it's a puzzle box of sorts given to them by wink, um wink given them given to their uh to their great great ancestor when he was immigrating immigrating when he was immigrating to america it was given to him by somebody named mr labile who said if you can solve this puzzle box i will give you whatever fortune you desire, if you can solve it before you reach the shores of America. And sure enough, he does. And so that's where the foundation of their board game empire comes from. It's from this gift from Mr. Labile. He, he, he basically finances the whole corporation, which is, what, which is what allows it to grow and grow. And so part of the stipulation with that is that when they bring new people into their family... They have to play a game that the box decides for them by spitting out a box. If you've ever played um, spitting Uno out Tag, a card, not another box. <laughs> <laughs> there's a box inside the box. Um, if you've ever played Uno Attack, Uno Attack, yeah. If you ever played Uno Attack, it kind of spits the card out like that, and so like everybody else in the family's like, yeah. When I got married, I had to play uh, checkers. Oh, I had to play tiddlywinks. I got chess. So I got <laughs> old maid. What the fuck's old maid? I didn't know. And so they're all laughing and stuff. And so they're passing the box around, and it gets to Grace, and she pushes it, and she gets hide and seek. It's like <laughs> I got hide and seek, and um, everyone like... shuts the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> because uh, turns out hide and seek in this context means. If they find you, they will kill you. <laughs> so this game, this, this this movie doesn't waste any time. It's pretty clear that what we have going on here is the most dangerous game, right? <laughs> and out, an outsider gets brought onto the property of rich people, is locked inside the house, and is told, if you can outrun us until sunrise, you get to live and you get to be happy. But essentially, for a sport, we're going to hunt you. And obviously, like, you know, they're playing it off as a thing as, like, we don't want to do this, but we have to do this. But the thing is, is they don't tell Grace once it starts that it's going to be a most dangerous game situation. They're just kind of like, oh, it's hide and seek. And everyone clearly knows what this is. And Alex is being grimly quiet about this because he keeps saying, like, we don't have to do this. You know, we don't have to do this. And she does it. And she goes to hide. They're like, we're going to count to 100. You're going to hide. And we're going to find you. And so she goes and she runs. And she's just kind of like, all right. Okay. I'll hide. I guess I'll hide in this dumb waiter. Okay. All right. Cut back to the family's game room. And they're all arming up with elephant guns. Grandma's Grandma got a, got a fucking axe. axe. She's got a fucking bloodborne executioner axe. She's just ready Fuck to go. Fuck me, Grandma. And gra- gr- Grandma is just cool as shit in this movie. Grandma's cool. I like that they give uh, the o- the Otho guy this uh, crossbow, but the thing is, is that uh, he doesn't know this... what the fuck to do with it. Well, no one does. This movie absolutely plays with the real life logic of like, well, a crossbow is basically a miniature uh, ballista, so it's this it's this small but still insanely heavy thing that's hard to aim. So like, he can hardly aim it, and so like, I think his wife takes it and immediately accidentally just like shoots off the safety and just like blasts a maid straight through the mouth. It's just kind of like, well. We're gonna need another maid and I guess another bolt for the crossbow. <laughs> so like, like it's a running gag throughout this entire movie that the crossbow keeps changing hands between people who are just kind of like, let me do it, I'll do it right, and nobody can shoot the crossbow right. Like they always miss it or they misfire and kill a maid or a butler or something. Like 
No one fucking knows to use his crossbow. We see the Oath guy in like a, a bathroom later. He's kind of like trying to like hide away from the family to get some peace and quiet for a second. Oh, yeah, he's, he's on googling his phone. how to fucking fire. <laughs> yeah, he's he's watching a YouTube how-to video about like, hi, we're the we're the Weapons Brothers. We're gonna show you how to use your brand new crossbow. <laughs> and he's trying to learn how to use this thing. Yeah, the, the entire family's arming up, and they put on this um, record where it's just kind of like, we're going to play a game, we're going to play hide-and-seek, and it's this whole song that's 100 seconds long about the game of hide-and-seek, and she hides off, and then they start, they disperse, and they start looking for her. And Basically, this mo- whole movie is about how the Hets are at it again. Not not just the Hets, but the rich Hets, like, that, that these rich people just have this crazy this crazy life in this crazy tradition where even even the kids are somewhat in on it where like the kids are running around playing in these like ceremonial masks oh, fucking that they G- georgie was fucking was fucking like jonesing to fucking kill someone for a second i thought it was that kid from um it because he looks a lot like that one kid he looks a lot like the kid who plays bill on it and then i was like well, yeah. this kid's too young to be that kid because that kid was a teenager and this is actually like it was actually like a nine-year-old kid <laughs> but I, you know, I can always remember that one kid's name because you just don't really forget a name like Georgie. After a while, Alex is like kind of by himself, not participating because you know doesn't want to kill his fiance. His sister is charged with like um keeping watch on him in the game room so he doesn't get out and help Grace survive the night. Speak, yeah. So he doesn't uh, get out and <laughs> and he, um, he goes and he goes on finds grace and he explains basically he explains what's actually going on nice and quick um and then the movie this was one of those points this was one of those points where i was like okay movie what's going on here and i got basically i got my ass handed to me later yeah which was that um the move the guy like he was explaining what was going on and grace was understandably very upset and like why the fuck wouldn't you tell me why the fuck you know reasonable things to ask someone when you are put into a most dangerous game and he's just like well if i told you you would have left and the, and the like, sad she, piano music comes in and i'm just like movie are you fucking serious right now and he's saying like oh you know usually the game is pretty benign you you pick the one bad card i'm sorry you pick the one bad card and it's like what the what what are you talking about <laughs> And so, like, at that point, at that point, um, one, I no longer trust this dude. Whether the movie trusts him or not, I couldn't tell. But I did not trust this dude. And um, that was also the point where I was kind of like, oh, this guy's going to get out by the end of the movie, ain't he? I mean, that's, I, that's, 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 that's what the family's definitely afraid of, is the fact that, uh, unless you're talking about he's going to pull a Jordan Peele's Get Out, they're yes, afraid I, that... He, he was going to pull a Jor- Jordan Peele's Get Out trademark. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But, and they were talking about the fact that, like, the family is afraid he's going to leave the family, but, yeah, that he's... That, that there's, at least, there's at least definitely that chance that he's just going to turn heel and still have been a part of the family in an attempt to try and lure Grace into this dangerous game game that they have going on and you know for pretty much for like the next like i'd say about like half hour of the movie is a lot of um dangerous game shenanigans you know like the the first kill of the game the first kill of the game is um one of the family members um nannies she thinks she thinks she's found like a clue as to where uh grace might be and she's calling it like they're down here they're down here and 
um, one of the one of the other family members. I think it's the uh, oh, coke-addled daughter. Yeah, it's um, the fuck-up sister. Yeah, she um, she hits she gets an itchy trigger finger and accidentally shoots accidentally shoots uh, the other family member instead of um, waiting to see who it is. And so like that's how Grace finds out that this shit is real that they're actually going to kill her and much like this woman they've just murdered will probably blow her brains out if they get the chance and the whole family is like ah now look you fucked up and you killed the wrong person well keep looking everybody so like well my favorite detail from when they were like berating her was like why did you shoot the head we told you shoot at the <laughs> body we want her alive oh yes it's very important they are trying to they're just trying to maim her they, they, they need her alive <laughs> so they're trying to catch her but it's there is no doubts that if she gets caught, she will not survive to see the next day. So it becomes a, it does become like a like a great escape, escape from New York yeah. sort of thing where the this stakes are house clear, is... but the limitations are also made clear at this point. Exactly, like all the doors and windows are locked. Um, there are security cameras in the house, but they turn them off because the dad is going on this whole thing about. You know, we've been playing this game since the 1920s, and we have to play it the exact same way, which is why they use, like, the old-timey weapons, like the elephant gun and the Bloodborne axe. They're like, we have to play it the same way that great-great-grandpa played it, and he didn't have security cameras when he played it, so we're not going to use them. But once it's clear that um, Grace is in on what's going on, and that Alex is probably the one who has helped them... um, the dad starts getting frustrated. He's just kind of like, fuck it. Turn on the cameras. We're using the cameras. She's not getting out of here. No matter what, she cannot leave this house. This is where we kind of start seeing what's pulling the strings of the family right now. Because a lot of the movie at this point is watching Grace kind of trying to... like Grace and Alex working together to get Grace out of the mansion and her sneaking around. Um, like Barb mentioned earlier, there's a scene where she gets... The first scene is where she gets to the kitchen um, there's a butler there, he's making lunch, and she's pulling a whole Scooby-Doo thing where they're, like, always on opposite ends of the island in the kitchen, and she's trying to avoid them. She tries to take him out with an elephant gun, uh, disregarding the fact that the gun is purely ornamental and can't actually <laughs> fire, and she makes up for it by slamming the butler's face with this boiling hot tea kettle, and that's how she escapes. Yeah, his and, um, face gets fucked up. As, as the family is realizing that Grace is escaping, we kind of start hearing them talking about the fact that if... Grace escapes, a uh, rumored curse upon the family may befall them, where if she, if they don't kill her, catch her and kill her by night's end, um, something very bad will happen to the family. And they don't know this for certain because this is not the first time they've played this game. In fact, the movie opens with a cold open of watching the family play this game, like, yet again, like, back in, like, the, the, the 80s or the 70s or something, right? And, um... It's basically implied that they've never lost this game, so that's why they don't actually know what will happen to them. Though there have been instances in which people have refused to play the game, and then the people, like the people directly involved in the marriages who have not gotten, who have not played the game, were 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 dead by sunrise. They were like, we don't know what will happen if we don't finish this game, but we have enough evidence to know that if she gets out, this entire family will be cursed and will lose the business. And we could be dead. We can't let this happen. And remember there was also that bit where they were like, um, you know, like uh, I think Dan was saying like, oh, come on. It's, it's not fucking real. And uh, the, the the father of the patriarch was like, you know, don't you remember? And he mentioned some other stuffy rich people name and how, and how mm, apparently that's it, that's they it. had a similar thing going on where um, they had a basically... It's all a, it, it, like it's all a deal with the devil. That is what it is. They got, they are so 
wealthy and powerful, not because of business or what have you, but because they made a literal deal with the devil. And that little bit right there implies that, oh, hey, a lot of these other big fucking families do that exact same thing, where they just make a deal with the devil and have to fucking, like, essentially sacrifice people on a regular basis to keep their wealth going. The cool thing is, is I actually kind of really loved how the movie kind of slowly drip-fed these clues towards it, because it was at this point where they start talking about, like, this curse that they start giving us the explicit uh, the explicit uh, hints that this is where this is going, that this is a genuinely a sacrificial rite that they're taking part in. I think, like, the first clue we get is that that in-law, the Otho guy, um, when he's also looking up the crossbow stuff, he's also Googling on his phone... Um, Deals with the devil. Are they bogus or not? <laughs> At some point, uh, Grace gets outside and she's hiding in a farm. Don't worry, we'll get to this part. But when she gets there, the um, this uh, this farm is essentially filled with nothing but goats, which, you know, rich people would only probably keep those around to sacrifice them, most likely. Um, and they're not I mean, cute goats, so like those really fucked up, um, like... With the real the one with the really big fucking spiky horns, the ones that they, they look like Satan goats. They look like fucking yeah, Satan. Yeah, like goats. they no definitely have they, they definitely just have a, a a farm full of goats for sacrificial purposes. Like they all look like the goat from the witch. Pretty pretty much. Like there's just hints all over that are really subtle that they might be Satanist, but it's they never play it big until it's time for the actual reveal that that's what's going on. But if you kind of are familiar with a lot of like the tropes or the elements of Satanists or Satanists in movies, you might kind of pick up on, like, is that what this is? Because for the most time, you can't tell if this is a matter of them fearing for their everlasting souls or if they're just crazy rich people who abide by a different set of society, societal rules than the rest of everybody else. Like, you, you, the, 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 the line between the two is just so very thin, but... I think it is that twist that really, really, really endeared me to this movie. Because, like, you know, we, we, we've we all read The Most Dangerous Game. And it's one of those kind of stories that will be told over and over again. You know, essentially the whole thing of, you know, some some some, some someone of higher status is now hunting someone of lower status as sport, as a game. Or some twist on that. And, like, Get Out is kind of a twist on that. It's not entirely there's more to it than that. But there's definitely that element to Get Out of it being... The most dangerous game, you know, like what you know, these white people are are essentially harvesting black people for sport, and it's fun for them. Yeah. It's that sort of thing, right? And when it looked like that's kind of where the movie was at first, it was like, you know what, this is kind of dumb, but I like these characters, I like this setting, I think this movie's shot pretty well, I like these actors, I'm in it for it. Let's let's keep writing this, right? And um, I think like definitely the point where the movie takes. The hard, hard, hard left turn is when Grace does manage to escape to this farm. It's full of goats. She gets approached by one of the little <laughs> children. Little Georgie. It's a little guy, little Georgie. You wanna, you wanna, you wanna describe what happens next? Yeah. Um. So she sees, she sees little Georgie, and um, she's just like, oh. Like, Georgie sees her. Like, like he has a fucking flashlight. He's in his fucking PJs. Think the, you know, it's, it's like, cute shit. And he shines a light on her. And she's like, hey, hey, hey. You know, she puts her hands up like, hey, don't, don't tell anybody. You can, you can always trust on in the innocence of a child. 
Yeah. And the kid pulls up his fucking... Pulls up a fucking gun and shoots her through the hand. Like, and when Barb says through the hand, like, literally, there's just a giant Looney Tunes fucking (laughs) Sylvester Tweety hole left in her hand that you can see through. And it's just really cool. And, uh, woo! They don't let that go to waste. (laughs) Yeah, the entire, it's at this point that it's really clear that the entire family is in on this. And that's when it becomes a lot more clear that this is something really sinister. I think it's not just that he's in on. I think it's also that, um, and Alex and Dan kind of talk about this later, where they talk about how um, they are these younger generations, like their generation and the next one, particularly, were raised to see all this as normal, where they were raised mm-hmm. to, where you know they've been, they've literally been doing satanic rituals all their life. They just saw that as normal the reason alex was um kind of distanced from the family is because essentially he realized hey this isn't normal what the fuck and um but you know the, these kids like they're the kids the kid georgie doesn't shoot her because they were told to or because they were brought in georgie shoots her because they saw the adults hunting people over the years and they were like why well, wanted to join in? Yeah, it's it's just, it's like it's like being upstairs while your parents were having a Christmas party downstairs when you're like six and you hear all the laughter and you're like, I want to go down. And your parents are like, you can't go down. And they get older, and you're just kind of like, oh, because everyone was drunk and no adult <laughs> wants a kid around when they're drunk. I understand now. <laughs> I feel like it also, you know, it really remarks like it's it's a little play on like how like. These how these um families are but are born into money essentially um indoctrinate every further generation more and more into seeing this life this predatory life they live as being normal. Yeah, like you, you get a little bit of like um of uh Daniel and his uh, wife who you know his wife would be the one in this situation would be the non led Dumas person naturally grace grace punches this kid in the face in an attempt to escape and they find the kid later with a big black eye and they're just kind of like um oh man is this the life we want for our kid um and i believe it's oh shit is it daniel or the wife who's the one who's like this sucks but we have to keep him alive it, it, it was it was it was the fuck up sister it was the fuck up sister uh, that was her kid, and she sees him with a black eye, but then she hears that she... But then Georgie says that, you know, he shot her, and she's just like, oh, good job, Georgie, and embraces him, and, you know, completely fucking enables that behavior. And that's when... That's a point when Dan really kind of, you can see internally, has his fucking heel face turn, where he's like, oh, God. No, this... This this system. Oh right, because they're tasked with like uh, uh-uh. taking out one of the corpses of one of the um, one of the helps. Because uh, after because after Grace punches this kid, she falls mm-hmm. uh, backwards into this um, cellar, this hole that's in the farm, and it is just full of skeletons and corpses. And so it's really clear that um, the about I don't know three or four people we've seen the family accidentally kill tonight are just a fraction of the number of bodies that are in this hole. They are they are used to and accustomed to throwing away bodies. Just as normal as taking out the trash on a Tuesday morning for them. Understandably, I mean, listen, look, don't look, you have a body I don't have any feds or listings. I'm gonna say I do not. 
<laughs> Grace has to pull herself out of this hole, and she's she's got one of, one of her hands is out of commission because there's a giant hole, bleeding hole in it now, and she's got to pull herself out of this hole. She's freaking out because there's corpses. She's pulling herself out, but uh-oh, on the very lip of a hole, there's a big old rusty <laughs> nail just sticking up, and her, her left hand comes up and goes down, and it's perfectly safe, a nice, stable platform. Her other hand comes up, and we'll the hole in it, and you can guess where that nail is gonna go straight through that hole, mm-hmm. and she has to pull herself over mm-hmm. through the nail in the hole, and it is, whew, Hoo-wee, this was making my skin crawl. <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> like, the, like, like I said, a lot of the violence in this movie is definitely more on the fun side, but they def- you can definitely tell they took a couple moments to stop pulling punches, I, and that was one of them. They don't pull that punch at all. I, I, it's rough. <laughs> I think it's it probably the roughest like, one in the movie. I mean, like, I think I think oh, that's no, a mistake you can easily make really with the good. final girl thing is having this element of um, having the final girl enter the situation if they're successful having them enter the situation as essentially like young innocent and just this virgin porcelain doll right and then something very bad happens to them and that's what makes them snap and like nut up and like get the fuck out of there I mean that that was honestly my problem with the newer Tomb Raider game remake is that's this thing where it's like oh we're gonna give Laura Croft's character by having her come in as this young doe-eyed student who's gonna I have feelings about the new Tomb Raider games and I'm not gonna get into them right now I'm gonna get into them briefly because I don't like that they pretty much make that the way they make her a character is they say oh she's a character who has optimism but then she gets it she gets it literally beaten out of her and then she is no longer an optimist and it's like well that really sucks because I liked the character that she was before that and it would have been cool to see her have to reconcile that character with the reality of the world instead of saying that person has to die for a badass to emerge and I think they do a good yeah, why why couldn't we just have a cool wisecracking ad- adventurer woman? Because why why we why'd we have to have fucking why'd we have to have her tortured into being mildly bad? Yeah, I guess there's why only room for one Nathan Drake in this world. Yeah, I mean, well, Nathan Drake can just be cool out of the box. Doesn't even need batteries. But fucking but well, fucking Laura Croft needs battery in order to be fucking badass and like it's definitely like for fuck it's sake. definitely a narrative device that i think comes from horror like there's no doubting that the that a lot of um tomb raiders aesthetics are borrowed heavily from um the movie the descent like they literally have the shot in that tomb raider game from the descent of like the the, the, the main character emerging from like a pool of viscera and blood covered in it and it's like this is her reverse baptism into becoming a badass like it has that like exact same shot pretty much and um, it's it's a fine line to thread because if it's done right, it, it does it does have this thing of like, you know, this this Sarah Connor thing of there is no going back. This can never be a normal person again because they're they're a woman on a mission, right? But like, I think I think this movie definitely pulls that. Off. I think they pull it off great because they make it really clear from the very get go that like she's very adaptable to the situation. Like she makes it clear that she's come from a rough life, so. Unlike this family, which arguably hasn't had to work or suffer to be successful, it seems almost as though she's had to, and this wedding was a chance for her to finally let her hair down, which it hasn't been, and she's had to just keep fighting for herself in a way she's never had to before, and I felt like I felt like seeing her suffer physically in this way was kind of more of um, 
communicating that, like, she's come this far, she's not going to give up. She's going to fight for her life, whatever it, whatever the cost. Not this thing of, she's going to suffer to become a badass, but she's going to suffer because she is a badass, if it makes sense. Yes. Um, yeah, no, like, it, it's it's such a fine difference, but it, it means a lot, in my opinion. Like, those two things mean very different things, at least to me. And, like, like fucking in this movie, she, she doesn't start fighting back only after she gets hurt. She's already fighting back within, like, ten minutes of being, of, like, actually realizing what's going on. She gets that gun really early. She The gun doesn't end up going anywhere because, like I said, it ends up being a fucking, um, it ends up being a, a prop, but... As far as her as a character, she's already gone into fight mode. She's like, okay, can't can't run, gotta fight. And we have a cool moment earlier where we see her in fucking... She's got the fucking uh, bandolier around her. She's got that big gun that she doesn't know is fake yet. She, her dress is torn to shit. She's in sneakers. And she just looks at herself in the mirror and is like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> My God, what have I become? <laughs> And this is and this is before she actually gets hurt. So it's like she's already made it there. That was really just a more a matter of of stakes and showing how far she can mm-hmm. go with this with this power she's found within herself. And the and all the other family around her, by comparison, are incompetent weaklings. They don't like, even know how to use they, a crossbow. They're rich, like. Mind you, they've been doing this for a while, but these are not trained killers. None of them. These are rich fucks who don't do shit themselves most of the time. So, like, they're going around and hunting her, and that's scary, yes. But in terms of, like, just base-level competence, she's got them outmatched by a wide margin. I mean, like, pretty much, as she, she adapts to hiding from them very, very quickly... And so they, they make the decision very early on to say, like, this is too hard. Let's just turn on the cameras. Fuck the rules. We're just using the cameras. And, I mean, you could probably make an argument there that there's definitely this underlying uh, theme to the movie about how, you know, um, how Grace, as somebody who's come from, you know, not from not rich blood, is working very hard to find her success in this situation. And everything this rich family is doing is just taking advantage of every resource that they have to give themselves an unfair advantage between, you know, sending in the butlers to do the dirty work, killing the butlers when they fuck up, and, like, turning on the cameras and just locking the doors. Like, this, they they have the advantage in every way, and they don't blink twice to use it the second things get too hard for them to do themselves. Mm-hmm. After this adventure, adventure in the farm, Grace escapes, tries to escape from the actual property, because she's made it outside at this point, which is what the family feared the most, because they're pretty much saying, if she leaves this property, she's not coming back, and we are fucked. And she gets to this gate, and she sees somebody driving up. Um, she manages to jimmy off one of the bars on the fence to take her arm out, but it's... Oh, that was another rough one. Oh, yeah. It's clear the person's not going to stop, so she, she makes like a cat and tries to slink between the bars, but uh-oh, she's still wearing her wedding dress, or her bare back is exposed, and it just gets by a hanging like chad on this fence and you get to see like you get to see like this you get to see that it like very meticulously cut through her skin and yeah it, 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 it is that shot with the nail and the shot with her back which are absolutely the most like skin crawling this movie gets so like if this movie sounds like a fun time for you and you really really can't deal with um the suffering type of gore be warned those are those two shots you can see them coming from a mile away and 
they don't get any easier to watch. But she makes it through this fence. She tries to flag down this person. They drive by. She's like, fuck you. What's your problem? There's a bloody woman in the street yelling for help. And you just drive on and say, get out of the road. She's outside. She basically has escaped. So at this point, all she has to do is to get away. So she runs into the woods. But uh-oh. That butler from before has shown back up, and now his face is scalded up, and he's ready for revenge. And he's in a car. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he, at first, he's, like, chasing her through the woods. She makes it to a clearing, and when she's in the clearing, he just starts chasing him down in, like, in, in like the, the family Lexus or whatever. Um, he manages to <laughs> tranquilize her, um, puts her in the backseat of the car. He's driving back to the mansion. He's having a good time. When we see him in the kitchen earlier, he's, he's singing opera very loudly to himself, which is how she can sneak around. And so he's driving back to this mansion, and he is just blasting the 1812 overture at, um top blast and so he's just in the car you know going he's just loading it up and he's like oh i'm glad we got you you thought you got away and you know he he facetimes the family and he's like oh family what ho i have succeeded and i have captured the girl and the family's watching and they can see in the back seat that grace is like coming to and waking up and the family's like turn around turn around and he's like what and he managed she manages to just donkey kick him in the face the car spins out of control it flips upside down the family can just watch as like they're just seeing like this black box footage of the car just flipping over and eventually the feed cuts but she's done it she's escaped she's defeated the butler she's made it out she's finally going to get <laughs> out fucking of dark here. souls fonts butler <laughs> <defeated>. <laughs> humanity restored <laughs> So she's 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 making her final escape. She's really gonna do it this time. She's finally finally done it. When Daniel shows up, is she is he here to help her get out? Is he gonna make the difference and help her get away from this terrible terrible family? No. Nah. She's taking her down, and the the dad emerges from the woods to congratulate Daniel on sticking up for the family and making sure what needs to be done is done. Oh, a little bit with the car. So they're before. Before um she gets captured properly by the butler, she does end up like whooping his ass and um, actually getting the car herself. Oh, this part was kind of sad. This part just made me sad. <laughs> yeah, that that part was rough. Um, but we got gotta go. She gets the car. She starts driving away, and you think, oh yeah, she's got it. She's she's home free. And then you remember, there's like you know twenty minutes left in the movie. The car stops after a while like she is no longer able to continue driving it and it turns out it's because um the car has been reported as being stolen and it is being remotely turned off yeah. she calls like roadside assistance yeah she tries to like use like, the onstar and the guy's just kind of like sorry i can't help you this car is stolen i'm gonna have to stop it and turn off the power i can't help you and she keeps like explaining like hey i th- they're trying to kill me please help and he's just like I- i'm sorry i i can't my name is justin i can't she's begging him to send the police and he can't even do that and it's like you can't even just send the police like arrest me or something send the police send somebody and, and, yeah he's he's like fucking sorry it's company policy like, that, that, like that's when the butler does manage to get the drop on her but um mm-hmm. after his whole adventure with the car um this is when she ends up back in the back in the mansion and this is when we go full on <laughs> satanic ritual at this point um alex has been tied up elsewhere in the house by his family and since since basically he can't be trusted to not help grace escape they've like handcuffed him to a bed and not the sexual way but in a very bad way the bad kind of handcuff and um 
They've got they've got Grace uh, tied down to this um, table with the pentagram on it. Everybody's in their sacri- their sacrificial robes. Um, the kids are there. They've got they've got goblets. They um they slice open a goat and they're drinking goat's blood. They're passing it around. Otha really just doesn't like this. It's just kind of like, do we have to do this? I don't like the blood. And they're all drinking the blood. They're passing it around. The dad's leading them in a, in a charge of hail Satan, hallelujah, hail Satan, and all that. And um, they're raising the dagger. They're gonna come down on her. And um, goodness, I'm trying to remember because like this is where this is where things the, really start. The just dad like... starts to spit up blood because mm, turns right. out, I think it was wasn't it actually Dan who slipped? Um, was it literally? Wasn't it literally acid he slipped into their fucking um, blood? Goblet? I don't remember what it was that he slipped, but one way or another, this entire family has been poisoned now. So they're all just starting to like choke and just starting to like collapse to the floor. Like they're not. And so Dan's leading her away, and this is Dan has officially like he's not even trying to get away himself. He's just trying to save this one person as a teeny tiny act of redemption. And they're they're going out. They're confront, and then Dan and Grace is confronted by Dan's wife. And Dan's wife was, as we mentioned earlier, um, was also not from money, came from kind of a rough life. But whereas Grace was like, no, all this is fucked up. I am not going to do this. Um, Dan's wife was instead like, yes, I will absolutely kill to keep my station in life. Yes. So like like she's bought into this way of life. Dan is trying to explain, no, we can't do this. This this shit has to end. Just let her go. And she shoots him. And Daniel's dead. Uh, Dan 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 dies. Um, that, probably the only like mildly respectful way to go out in the movie. Is there we watch like, like the only watch, one like, with half a little of, bit of dignity? Left. We watch like half a dozen butlers get like crossbow. Uh, bolts through the, through the mouth. This is, a, this is not a bad way to go. Yeah, he, he goes out with some dignity. He gets to see Alex one last time. It's Siad. And Alex finds Grace. Everyone finds Grace. Alex finds her, and Grace is like, come on, come on, we gotta get out, we gotta get out. And you can see that Alex has been bothered deeply by Dan dying. And you you see, he, he pulls a fucking Jordan Peele get out. And yeah. he calls for the rest of the family. He's bad guy now. Well, it's, like, it's the kind of thing where, like, at this point, like, Grace has managed to, like, escape the family. She's, like, knocked out this mother-in-law. She's, um, she's knocked out the dad and, like, started a fire in the game room, which is just burning on its own. Don't worry about it. And, like... After Alex yeah, finds it, it's like, it's like a team where, like, oh, we're going to make this out of it. And, like, you know, like, Alex is holding her head and embracing her. And she's like, oh, I love you, Alex. <laughs> hey, Alex, you're uh, holding me a little tight there, bud. Um, hey, uh, hey, dude, this uh, this hurts. Alex, you're hurting me. You're hurting me. And so that's, that's when he makes his heel turn of, like, oh, I've yeah. got her. I've got her. And so. Oh, wait, I forgot. I forgot. Right before that, he actually asks her, um, Alex asks Grace, hey, Hey, after all this is over, um, we still gotta be a thing. <laughs> and, you know, Grace is under... She doesn't really say anything, but it's one of those things where the silence says more than she could have said with words. 
And that was just when that was just when he goes full incel and calls his family. So you know. yeah, they tie her back down. They're about to uh, cut her open again. Um, I think she manages to break from the restraints and gets a knife in the arm instead of straight through her chest. So she's wounded, but she's not dead. And the family is like gearing up to get her again. Grandma's got her bloodborne axe. She's gonna finish the job. When suddenly <laughs> it's like, ah shit! Somebody open the blinds. And uh oh, the sun has come up. It's too late. It's the next day. They have failed the sacrifice before dawn. Everybody prepares for the worst. They've been told they're going to die. They're going to burst into flames. The whole family, the whole mansion will burn down. Everybody is like wincing. The the, the, the children are being held close to their mother's arms. Everybody is like, like God, kissing no! and holding up their hands like vampires and shit. You know. Exactly. And they're watching them just like brace for this for about like half a minute. And then silence <laughs> and nothing happens. And the dad's just kind of like, Oh, um, well, whew, this is, uh, this is awkward. I guess, uh, <laughs> nothing bad happened since we didn't kill you. Um, did, is everything we believed just a lie? Should we, um, should we recant? Um, ooh, what do we, uh, oh, uh, uh, so, Grace, um, this has been a, a wild, uh, night and so like there's just like this scene and of, then grandma comes in like do it anyway yeah they're, they're just like all coming to terms of the grandma's like do it you gotta do something do it yourself and she picks up the axe she runs at them and just before she can reach his grace she literally explodes she just explodes she, she fucking gives <laughs> she explodes in just like a, a, just like a cloud of red mist and blood and chunks go flying everywhere like, Fucking doom <laughs> explosion! I'm talking here. Just fuck. It, it is not even. Try, it's not even. It's gone into straight slapstick. It's great. Every you can see everybody in the room now realizing what is going on, right. and they're just like, oh, it's like, uh, like oh shit. wait, I guess it was real. Uh oh. And, and they they start they start popping one by fuck one. Fuck up wife take fuck up wife takes the kids and they run off screen. <laughs> you, you hear you, three pops. You hear three distinct pops. And the best part is is that um Grace realizes <laughs> what's happening now and she can't help but laugh because at this point they're begging her for help and they're like, Oh god, we didn't know. Oh god, please forgive us. It's just kinda like <laughs> No. Fuck you. <laughs> and they're all just exploding one by one. And um it's really the last satisfying. one. The last one down is Alex, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, hun. I'm sorry. Look, we can get away from this. We can be a family. We don't have to be a part of this family. We can leave. We can get out of this." It's just like, <laughs> "No, fuck you. I want a divorce." And then he just explodes, and so the whole family's gone. Everyone's exploded. She's covered in blood. The mansion's starting to burn down for the fire in the other room. She looks at like the chair at the head of the table that's been left for like Mr. Beale, <laughs> and then we see Mr. Beale literally like like a Jedi ghost. He fades in. He gives a knowing nod and then fades away. It's at this part, man, I was in tears so with good. laughter. I was, I like, it's been, a, look, it's been a hard 2020. We watched this world get fucked yeah. sideways by every person with like more than like nine zeros in their checkbooks. It was satisfying to watch this entire room of satanic millionaires just explode capped off by a cartoonishly mustachioed Satan fading in, just giving a nod and fading away. I I couldn't have dreamed this up better myself. <laughs> it's fantastic. And bonus is just like Grace is just the expression she has on her face at this point in the movie is just she 
She no longer gives a shit. She's done. She's checked out. You're like this has been does not care. Eyes are half lidded. She is not paying attention. Don't give a shit. Like, it was her wedding. It was supposed to be like the best day of her life, and it turned to the worst night of her life. This is absolutely the release and the closure that she's needed, and she is absolutely just enjoying it. And just, just Samara Weaving's performance here is just. You're so with her, like her her smile and her laugh is so infectious here. She's watching everybody explode, which I understand. Out of context, this sounds horrible and horrifying, but you got to trust me on this. <laughs> this is just absolutely a blast to watch, and the entire movie, like this whole movie, could have sucked, and it would have been worth it for this for this final moment. But thankfully, this movie leads up this moment very very well. Like it. I mean, it, it, it builds up to this moment. Like we talked about already, I think it builds up to this moment incredibly well. It plays its hands. I mean, no pun intended, but it, it does play its hands very knowingly and in a very smart way. I think it definitely plays with the fact that the audience is just familiar with the most dangerous game and they know what to expect. And I think the twist of the family being Satanist is... It was, it was delicious cherry on top of that Sunday. And not only that, but there are like... Half the cast has about two or three heel turns each, and it never gets old. Like, every time it is a surprise to see the, the turns of betrayal and support, it absolutely follows through, and it's just an absolute, like, blast of a good time. And also, like, I we were, we were talking a little bit about this earlier, about when we talked about, like, um, like this, this, the, uh, the very real suffering that Grace was going through and how she actually kind of earn that as a character compared to other media mm-hmm. and i do want to talk about how like, i feel like sometimes horror movies will like we, we've all had the whole final girl thing for a while and i know that as a result for the past eh, 10 15 years there's been a a lot of movies kind of going for the reverse where it's like okay this is the last girl but she she kicks ass and you kind of root for her at the end and I'm always kind of torn on that because some some movies pull it off and it works. Mm-hmm. And other movies, it just has this weird, for lack of a better way, a kind of rainbow capitalism kind of vibe to it. Kind of like, kind of meaningless girl power kind of vibe, yeah. I guess. Yeah, like... When it's good, it's good, but when it's bad, it's really eye-rolly. Like, for example, uh, the remake of Black Christmas was really fucking embarrassing, to be perfectly honest. They tried to, they basically tried to have a women's sorority at this college pull this fucking fight scene that looks like it came out of a Marvel movie at the end of this fucking harm it Oof. was dumb, and it and it's not just that it was dumb; it felt really unearned, and it just. Like, I don't like to say this very often because you hear a lot of chuds say shit like this, but it felt pandery. Yeah. And, but this movie, it didn't. Like, I feel like this movie did a really good job of getting you on Grace's side. You understand where she comes from as a character. You really see what she goes through. um, And the characters around her really cement the fact that she is here on her own trying to fuck make it go so like by the end when she's like i said she's looking totally done and she s- delivers that fucking i want a divorce line you're like <laughs> yeah i mean I, yeah, I, think it, I think it's a lot to this movie's credit too that i think it definitely goes for very um 
grindhousey vibe, but I think it's a very sincere grindhousey vibe. Like yes. definitely after the double feature movie of Grindhouse back in what, like two thousand seven or whatever, I think there's definitely been a rise of um this insincere style of Grindhouse where it's this thing where it's like, oh, it's Grindhouse, but you know, we're gonna turn it on its head and have it be about something and it's like I mean well, not necessarily, like, about something, but it's just kind of, like, like you said, the whole thing of, like, oh, we're going to objectify the woman, but to the purposes of, like, playing up the, the our perceived uh, understanding of feminism and stuff. And it's this thing where you get a lot of, like, messy kind of character decisions or, like, imagery or stuff. I mean, it's that Tomb Raider thing we were talking about. Or just really shallow understandings of what, like, character agency or just what that means. And it's, like, you can really tell when a movie gets that kind of thing or not and i honestly feel like um i honestly feel like this one got it i think they got it and it's fun it's really really fun uh, yeah like just i think just the fact that it's kind of fun first is i think what serves it really well is this kind of just schlocky movie i mean I mean, it's really easy to just watch this movie and just be into it for the thrill of the chase of this twisted game of hide and seek but i mean they, they do an incredible job with these characterizations. You buy into the characters. You buy into Grace. Um, I think Grace has a very uh, relatable arc. And it's an arc that's, again, not yeah. about her coming out as a changed person, but about her, um, I guess, essentially remaining true to herself in the end, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's putting her character through a crucible and her still coming out herself by the end, which is... That's still a very... That, like... That's still a fun character arc. Seeing a character being tested and mm. them staying that way through to the end is always admirable. I mean, that's a good way of looking. I mean, absolutely. I mean, one of the tenets of uh, Satanism that I think people often tend to miss, like, there's this thing of like, oh, well, Satanism is a celebration of uh, evil and greed and sin and all this stuff, right? And it's like, well, actually, if you talk to a lot of people that are genuinely practicing Satanists, like, Satanism isn't about being evil. It's about um, basically, like, acknowledging the fact that within you that there are things that you want and that you may know to be true and that society is about telling you that what you want is wrong and what is true is false. And Satanism is more about embracing embracing what drives you and what you know to be true and being unapologetic for that. And there's an argument to be made that maybe Labiel showing up at the end and giving Grace that knowing nod is just kind of saying, like, in the end, you were the true Satanist, my dear. You know, like, <laughs> this, this sort of thing, you know? Like, she's put to the crucible and she still remains who she is and doesn't, like, she doesn't falter from that in the same way that the entire Le Damas family was ready to recant the second they realized that they were about to explode or that or that it might have even been fake all along. Like, they... They were they were ready to jump ship the second that things went sideways, like drowning rats in the Titanic, as rich people do. And um, you know, we get that we get we get a wonderful last shot here. I know you said you were a big fan of it, where she's leaving the mansion as it burns to the ground, and um, the oh, fire department and the police are showing up as um, I guess as she tried to call earlier. Um, they're trying to like say like, "Ma'am, are you okay? Are you okay?" And she's just almost she's not catatonic, but she's just kind of as um dialing them she out give she's shit. sitting down to just enjoy a smoke um like a big thing for the whole the whole start of the movie is that um you know she's smoking before the wedding alex is like oh i thought you gave up smoking and she's like ah, it only has stressful occasions and she's like trying to play it off to the family at this point before the wedding like oh i don't smoke you can stop offering cigarettes and so at this point she's just sitting down the steps of this burning building and just enjoying a smoke for herself covered in the blood of her fiance and their entire evil family and with a hole still in her hand but uh 
a heart full of blood and love. She's ready to face the new day up ahead. And who knows what awaits her? Because I was thinking about that because I was like, you know, you don't just you aren't just the lone survivor of a man of a of a entire mass slaughtering of a family at a burning down mansion. You don't get to exactly just walk away from that without uh, having to answer a few questions. But you know what? That doesn't matter right now. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, that was ready or not. It was. I'm really glad I made the decision to just sit down and randomly watch it. I immediately texted Barb as it was finished, and I was just like, "You need to watch this movie." Yeah, I, th- I think I, I found time to watch it the next day, and you you remember like I, like I was just texting you multiple times through the movie, just like <laughs> fucking the heads continue to be at it, and I just kept saying, "Oh, stay tuned, keep watching." <laughs> So I think it's pretty clear we both really enjoyed this one. But what what did you think? Do you have any final judgments on this one? I I think it's really cool. I think it's um it's well definitely like we've talked about those harder shots to watch, but I think on the whole this movie is pretty lighthearted actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it is going to be a difficult watch for most people. Um, it's definitely a horror. I wouldn't call it like keep you up at night scary by any means so i think it's really approachable um something i really just think i think it's cool how like i think that one thing that's cool about the way that the the most dangerous game is framed this in this movie is that it isn't simply just oh they're doing this for fun and profit but it there is an element of fear of her Mm -hmm. going on because of the the way the deal is set up and i like that because um you kind of see that from a lot of rich fucks like where it's like they want us to be afraid of the afraid of them and they will slaughter countless people to achieve that power but when the chips are down you see from these rich fucks all the time that they're fucking terrified of the mass. Our ignorance is their greatest tool. I mean, we, we saw you, you saw this with the 2020 election where so much of what um, the GOP strategy was, was how can we basically make people think that they shouldn't vote? Because if they know they should vote, we will lose. Like, it is to their benefit to just have people kept in the dark at all times. And just, I do think it's cool that this movie had that extra little aspect to this well, you know, this well-worn... Um, setup of of the rich hunting people because i think that's something that it's it's nice to have that reminder every now and then especially this year um i mean i i like this movie a lot too i definitely think this movie is very approachable i don't think this is what i would call an entry-level horror just because it is very um it is a lot of intense violence um that's fair. i think it's the kind of thing where i think if you're a gruesome if you're a little like uh if you're a little like on edge about violence in movies, I think this is one that, like, once you get a little bit more of a stomach for movie violence, I think you could definitely kind of watch it, especially since so much of the violence is presented with humor. I mean, for a movie about, like, rich people accidentally killing their maids and butlers with crossbow bolts, every one of those kills is kind of presented with some level of humor to it. So, like, there's very kills, very few kills in the movies or, like, attacks that make you feel genuinely upset outside of the two scenes we mentioned, but... It's still pretty grisly. I guess grisly is the right way to use to describe it. It's a very grisly watch. So, like, being ready for how intense it may be, I think, would make it an easier pill to swallow than if you spring it on somebody who doesn't have an idea of that sort of thing. But that being said, outside of that, there's not really anything super unsavory in this movie. Um, I know I say this maybe, like, once an episode, but 
horror as a genre is no stranger to having just like really gross and icky topics and writing and characters and tropes or whatever like there's no there's no creepy sexual violence in this movie there's no weird like sexism there's no weird classism um and I, unless unless you're really offended by the rich being portrayed as uh, bloodthirsty monsters um in which case go fuck yourself we we want a divorce and then you'll explode <laughs> um there's nothing particularly gross in this movie or something that i feel like i'd have to be like oh this movie's good but i have to warn you like it's it's pretty competently made it's pretty self-aware enough that it never it never goes anywhere that's gross or upsetting i don't think reese is objectified in a way which is to say neither sexually or in a way that's just kind of like she has to stop being if she has to stop being a woman and actually be a man to get a situation like like we said she wins the situation by being true to herself from start to finish and that's really satisfying to watch i think once you get a stomach once you get a stomach for movie violence i think there's a really fun time to be had with this one especially if you watch it with friends i think it's a lot of fun to watch by yourself but i think this is um i'm kind of shocked that this movie isn't big yet i feel like there's absolutely an audience for this movie that somehow hasn't found it yet um i'm kind of reminded of how um john wick when it originally came out came out very 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 quietly and the people who saw it really liked it but it actually wasn't until john wick 2 that i think john wick became this phenomenon of a character and so like I don't know what it's going to take this movie to have that second chance, that, that second shot of glory to kind of becoming a new Halloween staple for a lot of people. Maybe we're just like one Twitter thread away from it or something from blowing up that kind of big. Who knows? But absolutely, this is why I think I can wholeheartedly recommend just because it's it's a shitload of fun. There's a lot here to laugh at. There's The suspense is real. The characters make sense. The twists are really fun and it's it is a gorgeous looking movie you know it, it's shot in a number of castles i i think it's the same i think it's the same mansion as the one used in uh billy madison in some of the so what the fuck and some of the basement scenes have been shot at castle loma which if you've ever been there that's an awesome <laughs> castle up in uh in toronto you might you probably know it if you're american you probably know it from um where scott I think Pope, billy madison hunted for sport hunted humans i mean he did kill that clown true <laughs> but our clowns are clowns human uh, perhaps that's a question that will be answered if we ever watch a uh, killer clowns from outer space, which I guess the title alone posits, no, they aren't. <laughs> Casaloma Americans, you might be familiar with it as where Scott Pilgrim fights uh, Lucas Lee in that movie. Um, if you've ever seen a Casaloma movie, you've seen Casaloma. It's really awesome. We've heard Toronto. I highly recommend checking it out. I'm just talking about Casaloma now because I like Casaloma, but it's a nice looking movie. It's well-paced. It sounds like it's fun to say. You know, castle. This movie's like a tight hour and a half either, so like you're not even looking at like losing your entire evening watching it. Just a fun, light, breezy Saturday afternoon with some beers. I say check it out, have a fun time, and uh, share it with some friends. And uh, maybe you'll want to play some hide-and-seek your own by the end, too. I don't know. Who knows? Bring, a, bring an elephant <laughs> gun and see what happens. So this has been another episode of Scary Podcast to Watch in the Dark. I'm sorry. This has been another episode of Scary Podcast to Tell in the Dark. Very important difference there. Yeah, don't don't fuck it up. Um, I, I just want to say thanks again for everybody for listening, for subscribing. We yeah. really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, we know there's been a little bit of like a lull until the episode's coming out. It's just been the winter. It's been a real busy time of year, but don't worry. We're still yeah. keeping at this. Episodes are still coming. We love hearing from you guys, getting your suggestions, getting your questions and stuff. Love getting that from the listener questions episode. We'll let you know when the next one's coming up. Yeah, that was a that was a really fun. 
episode. Of course, tell your friends, tell tell your friends, tell your family, watch, check out some of these movies, let us know what you're watching that you show really grandma. like. Show grandma. Show grandma. Don't us, show grandpa. Tell us what your grandma thinks. I want to know what your grandma thinks. Don't show grandpa. He won't approve of it. Trust us. We know. No, we won't. asked him already. He, he, he already knows about us. He knows what he did. Grandpa doesn't know about, doesn't have to know about me and grandma. Uh, he doesn't have to know. Uh, Barb, is there anything you want to you, you wanna show? Want to let the final listeners out there know where they can find uh, more of you right now? Yeah, um, so y'all can find me at um, Diesel Brain Art on Twitter. And um, you can also find me as Diesel Brain on Pixiv, Fanbox, and Patreon. Um, as for stuff to shill outside of just the usual stuff, I did put out a art pack recently. Mind you, it is a hard 18 plus. So, you know, if you're a squiddo, don't buy it. But, um, I did put out a art pack, uh, Monster Mash art pack, which is full of big titty movie monsters. This includes stuff like fucking big titty Gilman, big titty Jason Voorhees, Big Titty Van Helsing and Dracula. Yes, that Van Helsing and Dracula. Um, Godzilla. Gigan, the Babadook, or would that be the Boobadook? Just it, it, hog wild with the monsters and titties. If either of those sound like it's up your alley, it, maybe toss me a coin or two, you know. Sounds like a real monster uh, just, masher you got over there. Yeah, it's, it, it's on Gumroad, so if you just look up Diesel Brain on Gumroad, You'll find it there. It's the only one I got up at the moment. <laughs> and, uh, of course, you can find me at Sonic9JCT on Twitter, Instagram, wherever it's all good. Um, I don't have too much going on right now. Uh, I will definitely say, if you like, I, I do I do a lot of drawing. I do comics. I do illustrations. Uh, if you want to see some of my comics, uh, you should absolutely check out Nintendo Force. Um, I've, yes. I've uh, joined on to the staff as a new regular cartoonist there, so I have a comic in every issue, and that and that magazine comes that's out. That's so exciting, by the way. I don't think I told you yet, but that's really fucking cool. It's been a lot of fun doing those. I, I, I recently, the next issue that... Um, I actually, I don't know how much I can say about the next issue, but all I can say is that the next comic is about Bowser, and he's always a lot of fun to draw. Um, the magazine comes out bi-monthly, so definitely go ahead. If you sign up for their Patreon, you can sign up for either a digital or even a physical copy of the magazine. It's a really awesome magazine in general if you love Nintendo games. It's basically the spiritual successor to Nintendo Power. It's a lot of fun. Um, you can see my comics in there bi-monthly. You'll only be able to see those there. I won't be really posting those online or anywhere, so you got to sign up if you want to see those comics. Um, otherwise, you know, I'll be posting about anything else I'm working on, any other upcoming comic or game projects I've got working on, um, any other podcast stuff, uh, any updates about the show, all that stuff you can find on my Twitter. Um, thankfully, uh, we made it on the other side of this election, so my Twitter feed should be maybe a little less angry these days, but there's still a lot to be angry about in this world, but... There's still so much to be angry about. But I promise to kind of make sure that my Twitter is mostly lighthearted for the most part. It, it's not a... There, there's... Not usually bummers there, so you can have a good time there as well. Um, of course, you can always follow the show specifically at ScaryDarkPod on Twitter. You can email us at ScaryDarkPod at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, observations, all that good stuff. You can let us know by just reaching out to us either on Twitter or on Gmail. We're always keeping an eye on that stuff, so please just let us know what's on your mind and stuff. And Yeah, like, please, please let us know what you think. It really brightens my day anytime somebody like pops in stream and tells me they've been listening to it. And fuck, I, I even like it. Like 
if you think there's a movie that we probably haven't heard of that you think we should check out, fuck, let us know. Like, we like we, we try to cover a, a good smattering of stuff here. Like, we, we try to cover, like, a, a classic one every now and then and maybe something a little newer or less known. And so, like, if you've got any ones that you don't think is widely known and we might not um, come across on our own fucking shoot it our way we we want to find stuff we want to talk about different stuff than just than just the the classic slashes from the 80s you know what I mean. absolutely and you know at some point too i'd love for us to start digging into some games so who knows that could be up in our future yes. at some point all right well i think that's just about gonna do it for us for today um you guys have a nice fun time out there if you're playing hide and seek um if you go in the dumbwaiter just wait in there until it's over don't don't start wandering around that's how they get you <laughs> and uh as always uh don't get spooked yeah Take it bye guys <laughs>